1: Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrowcom slash ACAST.
2: Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And
0: I'm Kate Spencer. And
2: we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today, we're talking about
0: Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families.
3: i oh,
2: Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly. Congratulations for all surviving another international break. Back to the bread and butter of the capital letters greatest league in the world. Brackets, asterisk, close brackets. Some fascinating games in the Premier League. Crisis Club Manchester United host really incredibly good Brighton. While not far away from Crisis Club, Newcastle host Brentford. Then there's one win so far this season. Chelsea in need of points at Bournemouth and a potentially tricky but probably straightforward win for leaders Manchester City at West Ham. We'll discuss Everton's potential takeover and their excellent home record over Arsenal, Richarlison seeking professional help to get him back on track, and Luton and Burnley's attempt to get their first points of the season. Also, today we reflect on Arsenal's women crashing out the Champions League, accidental photos of rhinoceroses, reviews for half a cucumber, and the truth about hotel scrambled eggs. All that plus your questions, and that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Jordan Jarrett Brian. welcome. Hello, mate, you're all right. Yeah, very good, thank you. Barry Glendenning, hello. Hello. And hello, Robin Cowan. Good morning, Max. To the Premier League, it's returned. Um, of course it has. I don't know why I sound surprised. Look, <laughs> shocked. There it is. Uh, where do you want to start, Barry? Old Trafford, Manchester United, Brighton. Possibly the biggest game of the weekend. I mean, Brighton have won their last three against Manchester United. And Man United are in some sort of perma crisis. On and off the pitch.
4: Yeah, this is a game I wouldn't be at all surprised if Brighton won. Um their last two performances have been very good. One in defeat, one in victory. Uh, Evan Ferguson obviously got a hat-trick against Newcastle. I'm not sure if he's going to be fit and if he isn't. I think Danny Welbeck's also injured, so Zhao Pedro will probably come play up front for them. You'd say they uh, Man U lost home and away against Brighton last season and beat them in the Cup semi-final. Um, and they were you know i think what's going to be a key battle in this game is Aaron Wan-Bissaka up against Matoma and they had some some great battles last season um i think when brighton won at home over manchester united in may matoma really got the better of wan bissaka but in the fa cup semi-final which was a couple of weeks previously uh, wan bissaka kept matoma very very quiet and really got the better of him. So that's uh, something I'm looking forward to seeing. And then uh, Ansu Fati could make his debut for Brighton, which I'm sure their fans will be, are very excited about. I don't know if he'd start or come off the bench or what, but I'd expect him to feature at some point. Manchester United have injuries. No Luke Shaw, no Varane, Mount Martinez, Sophie and Amber, I think are all doubts. So I I wouldn't be at all surprised if Brighton won this game. I think there could be a few, inverted commas, upsets this weekend, and and this would be one of them. Although I'm not sure how much of an upset it would be if Brighton won.
2: Mm. Um does does Jaden Sancho play or come off the bench? He has Robin removed his pinned tweet, criticising Ten Hag's comments. Well, he pinned the tweet as well. I mean that mm. that is a you know. That's, that's quite, that's really, yeah. I don't know if anyone ever looks, I'd never look at anyone's pinned tweet and just scroll back down from there, but yeah. I find them very annoying yeah, actually. quite often you forget tweets. about them when they're annoying. like four years old and completely irrelevant, aren't they?
3: Yeah, <laughs> it's from 2016. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, a lot of articles seem to be written about him removing this pinned tweet. It seems to be very significant. Um I mean, he's almost kind of has to, does he? I mean, it, it's going to be really interesting. I did. Eric Ten Hag always struck me as a man who's quite measured and in control, but he wasn't after the Arsenal game. You know that sort of rant about you know he uh, he. I think mm. he wants to draw the lines, didn't he? And I'd, I'd love to, for them to indulge him on that. Just go, <laughs> okay, let pop upstairs. Let's go to Stockley Park, and, and you can have a go. Because I just think when 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 they start. When that starts happening, you know each. And I don't. I, obviously, it's clearly not all of, all of his fault. It's been a, just a, years and years of terrible recruitment, like really bad. And they're still saying they don't have good centre halves. And it's been it's been so long. I mean, there is some.
2: I don't know if there's bad luck. You don't sort of think Sancho was so good, right? So it's so. I don't know if it's the recruitment that is bad, but it's the sort of the dealing with him once he gets there. I mean, I guess that's. That's part of how you judge this. But, I mean, let's say he'd gone to Brighton, which he probably wouldn't have done. He'd probably be unbelievable
3: now. Yeah, I think it's the environment you go into. And it just, it, there's, I don't think there's a coincidence that Man United sign all these players who've done pretty well for their previous clubs and they don't do very well at Man United. I don't think it's down to the players or probably even the managers. I don't know what it is. The environment there, there's something clearly not quite right. Um, Having said that, you know, as I've said before on this podcast, I grew up in the 90s where they won everything. So obviously this is, it's brilliant for me. I just, I I can't get enough of it. And and Brighton, Brighton seem to have their number. I mean, the big thing is, is Harry Maguire going to play? Is he going to have to play? Because I just... I just don't want this. that's the only thing that makes me not I don't want him to play I want them to as as a sort of as someone who's kind of anti-Man United you know just on the pitch I want I don't like them to win but if he's playing I'd quite like him to kind of I don't know score the winner you know because at this point it's just have a great game have a clean sheet and yeah I just I feel like I don't know what what what's best. For, I mean, as you said yesterday on the pod, I think Barry and all of you agreed he should have left in, in the summer, and it's just it's just getting worse and worse for him. But I do want—is he going to have to play? Because as you outlined, Barry, they've got quite a lot of centre half injuries as well, I and mean, then what's that going to do?
2: Yeah, he came off the bench, didn't he? Like him and Johnny Evans with the the centre yeah. backs at the end of that Arsenal game. Um, how, how do you see this, Jordan?
0: This is the the game of the weekend for me. It's a fascinating one, not only because Brighton are are on the rise and a really good team, but we're all waiting to see. You know, United are very much in the mud on and off the pitch, and I just think that if United, it's the first game, first period under Ten and a half management, where I've heard my United fans. not not, not want him out, but start to question, okay, this guy's management up until now has been brilliant. But I think the game against Arsenal really raised a lot of eyebrows about how he dealt with that. It was a bit of a mini meltdown I felt that he had after that match. And taking on Sancho, who I actually sided slightly with, I didn't quite understand why why he picked that fight. Going back to the pinned tweet, what's interesting about the pinning of the tweet was that Sancho hardly tweets as it is. So he didn't really need to to pin the tweet. But the fact that he chose to actually pin it shows that he really wants to get his message message out there. Just on Maguire, whether they play Maguire or not, we'll definitely find out on the weekend. But the narrative around him being a, a kind of almost caricature, almost like the Phil Jones now, where when he comes on the pitch the rival fans start, you know, standing ovation, start applauding. I'm not a Harry Maguire fan. I never really have been, even when he was on form for United. I think he's overrated, personally. But I do have a little bit of sympathy of this idea of somebody that has become a figure of fun. And it's not through his own faults. Although, as Robin says, as Barry said on the pod yesterday, he could have moved club. And someone like West Ham, he would have been a decent centre-back and had a good season, you'd have thought. So in that sense, you know, he's, he's... He's um he had it in his own hands to 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 control his own destiny, but he chose to stick it out, and I think now he's becoming this yeah this almost Phil Jones character where, whenever he does anything now he's just memed, he's laughed at, and um and, and he become you know become a figure of fun. So if he plays, I, I think the Brighton fans and how they respond to him playing, I, I think could be quite telling.
2: Newcastle Brentford, Newcastle have won one and lost three, not easy games that they've lost. But interesting, when we did our previews, Barry, we we sort of suggested, look, once the Champions League comes around, it'll be a really interesting test of Newcastle's metal. And they're not in a... After the first game, we were like, oh, hang on a second. They hammered Aston Villa. They come into this game at home to Brentford. It's not an easy game. They've got away to Milan on Tuesday. I feel this is really... I mean, look, it's not pivotal, but it feels quite important that they get something from this game. I mean, get a victory from this game.
4: Well, I certainly think if they lose, it won't be ideal. That would be four defeats in a row. It's a game they could lose, and it's also a game they could win quite easily. They they absolutely battered Brentford at St. James's Park last season. And after the Milan game, they're away at Sheffield United, and then they've got City at home in the League Cup. So I think it is a, a crucial juncture of the season for them. If they were to get knocked out of the League Cup, uh, at the first time of asking even though you know city there's every chance they will get knocked out it's it's you know Newcastle fans are kind of obsessing about winning a trophy now that they've motoring up or that they've motored up the table and they've had this massive cash injection and the new the takeover they didn't turn up at the league cup final last season didn't do themselves justice at all i think that was quite disappointing for them They've got issues in midfield. I think Sandro Tonali might be an in injury doubt for this game, so if he wasn't fit, I'd be interested to see who comes in instead. Him, Bruno Jimérez and, and Joe Linton, it's, it's not quite working for Newcastle. Again, if, if they were to lose this game, um, it, four defeats in a row is not good, even if the quality of opposition that is beating you are decent teams.
2: And actually, Robin, it'd be really interesting to see how they fare. I mean, the Champions League group is difficult, right? And Dortmund aren't the Dortmund, perhaps at the level of recent years, uh, losing Bellingham as well. But, you know, they are just three massive teams, aren't they? Milan, Dortmund and and PSG. And, I mean, without wanting to sound totally cliche, it could go either way, right? They do well in that group. It could totally inspire them for this league season. If they don't, and it's flat, very interesting to see where it goes. And that. And coming from this position where they're just further behind than where they would expect to be.
3: Yeah, no, that you're right. It is really interesting. I do have a feeling they're going to do really well in the Champions League, actually. like, But like, you know, Leicester, when they got in and they did really well, but they struggled that season, you know, sacked Claudio Ranieri. But they, they went pretty far because it's just it's been so long and it's I think the players are going to absolutely relish it. It's been a really disappointing start to the season. The manner of the t- defeat against Liverpool was particularly uh, that would have been really annoying as a Newcastle fan. And as for Brentford, you know I saw them against Bournemouth last uh, couple of weeks ago, and they're they're a bit different this season. They're trying to be a bit more expansive, but they have looked more vulnerable at the back. Um and Thomas Frank last season generally against the sort of so-called better teams deployed a back 5. So it'll be interesting to see if he does that. So if he kind of sees Newcastle as that sort of opposition this season. Uh, but yeah, as Barry said, 5-1 Newcastle beat Brentford last season, which is don't tend to lose by that much. Brentford are really impressed with them. So um, yeah, no, this is another really, really interesting game. And without
2: Tony, they've they've done pretty well, Brentford.
0: They've done really well. I, I can't think of a team that is the size of Brentford with uh, a single star player that's been taken out and still managed to kind of maintain standards. I mean, you could argue, I've not checked the, the, the stats uh, as of yet, but their results are probably better um, um, in, in terms of him him not being there. And I think that they deserve a lot of credit for being able to maintain their standards and their form uh, without, him, without him being in the team. Just going back to Newcastle briefly, I'm not quite as confident as Robin about Newcastle doing well in the Champions League, not because personnel-wise, they haven't got the quality to, to do well. I just think there's something about having a, a, an understanding and experience of Champions League football that I think actually they 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 might the, where they might suffer. Dortmund aren't the strongest team pers- personnel-wise, but they do have that kind of seasoning of Champions League football that I think can can make up a little bit um, for what you lack in, in personnel, as do PSG and, and, and even Milan. So I, I think on paper, they, they look good and they look good to go, but I just think that that naivety that comes with not being in the Champions League for so long may end up um, hurting them. Fun fact about Brentford. Oh,
4: Please. They are the only team in the Premier League to score from a free kick so far this season. Direct free kick, Matthias Jensen against Bournemouth, and that's the one that barely crossed the line.
3: Oh, it did. I mean, it did. It did cross oh, the line maybe. quite a lot, but the but oh, it did cross the, watch, the line. The watch yes, didn't work. It was really confusing. Mm.
2: That's the one at the near post. <laughs> yes, that is a good fact. Um, mm. Well done, Barry. Thank you.
4: I, I, In preparation for this podcast, I watched every single Premier League game that's been played this season oh, again. Right. Just... And, every, and every free kick. Yeah.
2: Oh, good. And people doubt you sometimes, Barry. It's I know. strange, isn't it? Um, Chelsea, who have four points in their opening four, they go to Bournemouth. Um, and, Barry, you're still very excited about watching every Bournemouth game. <laughs> it's not a favourable run for Chelsea now. They play Bournemouth and home to Villa, away to Fulham, away to Burnley. Um, I mean, both teams need something, don't they? But still, like Chelsea, sort of feels like last year at the moment. Still, Barry of just going, looking at this lineup, going, well, they're all good, so they'll definitely win, and then they don't
4: win. Yeah, my uh, optimism on behalf of Chelsea is rooted firmly in my total faith in uh, Maurizio Pochettino, which may be misguided. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he'll whip them into shape. I mean Bournemouth after this game have Brighton away and Arsenal at home. So they could really do with a statement win here at home against Chelsea, a slightly shambolic Chelsea. Um I'm still annoyed that like Bournemouth two big signings were well, two of their big signings were Tyler Adams and Alex Scott, who are still not fit. Um and may still be out for some time, I think. Uh And they've brought in Lewis Sinistera, is it from Leeds, or was he on loan at Leeds, I'm not sure, but anyway, he's at Bournemouth now, so he could start for them, Um, probably a decent signing, he was quite impressive for Leeds, I think in patches last season, if I remember correctly, yeah, a win for Bournemouth here would be massive, but whether they're good enough to do it, I don't know. Yeah,
3: I'm not sure because, I, again, I saw their game against Brentford and they were seriously lucky to get a point. Um, that If you remember, Brentford hit the post three times. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're still kind of bedding into this new manager, Andoni Ar- Imbriola, and he said that it was going to be difficult to do anything more during the international break because most of them were were not there. I suppose the big boost is David Brooks getting another goal on international duty. Um so, yeah, it's going to be difficult, but I do. it is possible because, as you say, Chelsea just still look out of sorts.
0: A, a bit like Barry, the only reason I've got any faith in Chelsea having a decent season is Mauricio Pochettino. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. But I do feel like Chelsea managers are a little bit on like on, a, on, a, on a treadmill where the speed is just going up and up and up. And if you don't win these sort of games quickly, you just fall off, i.e. get sacked. And my concern for, for, for them is that if they don't win this game... The narrative at Chelsea builds up very quick, quick builds up quicker than any other club of a manager losing his job, and the idea of him being fired by Christmas sounds a little bit comical. But these are the sort of games that he has to win. If to, if only to buy himself some time, it's been a really, really indifferent start for him. So this is this is I would say a must-win for him. They have to beat all the teams in the second half of, the, of the, the bottom half of the table just to kind of get himself some time to embed his style of play. But I, I see this as a must-win for Chelsea, a draw. And I think the narrative will build up that he could be, he could be in trouble very quickly.
2: All right, well, that'll do for part one. Part two, begin with uh,
1: Everton Arsenal.
0: Finding your perfect home
1: was hard. But thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at Burrow.com slash ACAST.
4: Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business but Mine, So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.
2: Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. Um, So, live tour, Ellis, Troy and Philippe on the 13th of November. Uh, Still tickets for that, still tickets for John Bruin and Nader Manuahar on the 15th in Manchester um, and otherwise pretty much a sellout, uh, except a few tickets left in Brighton. Um, and this is where I say, Robin, wh- where are you on this team list? And, where, and when will you come for a cameo? Or And this is when you can spit your dummy. <laughs> who, I don't know who spat it the most yet. Lucy Ward style.
4: Lucy Ward,
3: <laughs> big she, time. She was pretty angry, wasn't she? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not. I, if you if you're in Oxford, I'll do it. But you, you don't know, travel. I, I don't, not? I'm not a big traveller, Max. Okay. Not really. So yeah, if it's Oxford at home, th- then then I'll do it. But otherwise, um...
0: <laughs> pin a tweet, Robin. Pin a tweet. How angry yeah. you are about
2: not being invited <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> uh, go to theguardian.com slash fw tour twenty three and uh, yeah, please come along because uh, they are fun. Although, Robin, you are uh, bigger than that. You are hosting. A Q and A with me, Barry, and Jonathan Wilson about the Football Weekly book. Are you prepared to grill us? Uh, we've done a bit of pre-promotion. I don't know if I'm very good at promoting a book, Barry. I don't know, if, uh, you know. I don't know what you think.
4: Yeah, I don't. I'm not very good at self-promotion or selling things. Wilson certainly isn't. He's dreadful. And, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's up to Robin to get the best of us. Get get the best, Barry, Max, and Jonathan.
3: I'll she try can. my best to go in the, the full Paxman. She said, so, I don't know who am I'm going to ask to threaten to overrule him, but we'll see.
2: <laughs> well, I better go the full, full Paxman and the full Piers Morgan. Um, it is on the 26th of September at 8 pm. Uh, Theguardian.com slash football weekly book. I've just discovered that is 5 a.m. my time, but I'll be on fine form. I'm always up at 5. Gets me out of a, a morning with Ian, so delighted. Everton Arsenal. Um, uh, Jordan, um, Arsenal have a terrible record at Goodison. Um, but Everton are terrible. So what happens here?
0: <laughs> well, they were terrible last year and, and, and they beat us then. So I don't know if them being terrible really matters. Um, Arsenal first. I mean, Arsenal have to get their, their selves in gear. We've got a couple of key players out. Partey is going to miss this match. Um and the Havertz conundrum um, hasn't quite been um, solved yet. The fan base are not happy about him playing, but I'm backing Arteta to, to see it through. You, you, sign a, you sign a player for that price and you back him, you've got to see it through, in my opinion. Cliché alert here, you want to win titles, these are the games you've got to win. Um, so I expect Arsenal to win, to win this match. Do you worry that
2: he doesn't, like that three of Rice, Odegaard and Havertz just isn't doesn't work? Isn't that the question?
0: If I'm being honest, I, I can't see it. I can't see it working. I, I don't understand what he's trying to do with that with that trio midfield. But like I said, I think that he obviously has a plan. He You don't stick your neck on the line for someone that wasn't a fan favourite in the first place unless you really believe that eventually that will come good. So no, I, I don't see it working at the moment, but I'm, I'm I think he's earned the a, a, bit, a bit of a bit of time to try and turn that around as well. I think Nketiah as well, whether he's whether he starts or Jesus begins uh, begins the game, is something that I think we're looking out for as well. I thought Nketiah not getting any minutes over the international break was harsh, really really harsh. Um, but hopefully he'll be still bouncing back into training this week, and if he does if he does play, he'll he'll, he'll deliver. Um, just briefly on Everton, I think for them. I don't know what Everton are I know that you know we, we always make a joke about where you place Everton in, in in this in the in the league but I don't know what they are Sean Dyche doesn't seem to have made them hard to beat which was the one thing I think they were hoping he would do um so Everton are really meh, weird club at the moment, and I think that these are the sorts of games where they would have to kind of really dig in and, and and try and get out of a point and see that as see that as a win.
3: You say that, but they've won their last three in a row at home to Arsenal, and this was the that is true. That is true. This was the Sean Dice's first game in charge, wasn't it? Last it was, it was, it and they was, managed yeah. to win. And yeah, the game that obviously that you say title winners should win, they didn't, and that's I don't know. It's it, it's. It's tricky, isn't it? I did see a very funny tweet. Someone said that um, the England players wouldn't have been used to those boos um, during the Scotland game, apart from Jordan Pickford. Of <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: Ed Aaron's reporting in the paper that um, Fahad Masri in advanced talks with the American investment firm Seven 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 Partners over a potential majority purchase. Uh, of Everton uh, any takeover would be subject to the Premier League owners and directors test of course it is which was beefed up in March and enables them to block people from becoming directors if they're under investigation for conduct that would result in quali- quote a disqualifying event if proven whenever that might be uh, there remain doubts over whether 777 partners would pass the test having been accused of fraud and breach of contract in a civil case by Timothy O'Neill Dunn Uh, who worked at 777 between 2018 and 2021, and before that as Chief Commercial Officer at Flair Airlines. Okay. Uh, A statement by 777 partners strenuously denied the allegations. Philippe has several unbroadcastable opinions about 777, Barry, but I don't know if if you've read up on them.
4: Well, Philippe and his colleague Paul Brown wrote a very interesting article about them for Josimar, which I would recommend anyone... Digging out, fraud is not the only thing companies they're associated with are being investigated for. And while just for the sake of giving producer Joel an easy life, uh, I will stress they have been found guilty of nothing. They have been also linked with kidnapping, extortion, predatory lending and racketeering in U.S. court papers. This has all been highlighted by Philippe and Paul
2: uh, we should say here that 777 partners have dismissed these claims as inaccurate and defamatory. Baz?
4: They're run by a guy called Josh Wander and Stephen Pesk, I think it is. And Josh has uh, convictions for drug offences, but um, that I don't think they would factor into his uh, fit and properness because, you know, he's... Served his time. Well, not time or whatever. You know, he's he's paid his dues in that regard. And obviously, seven 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 uh, partners. They have a minority stake in Sevilla, massive stake in Genoa, Vasco da Gama. They own a hundred percent of Standard Liege, hundred percent stake in Red Star, the French version, not Red Star Belgrade. They have a minority stake in Melbourne Victory. And 64% stake in Berlin, and they've also invested in uh, the London Lions basketball team and British basketball, which would appear just to this uh, amateur's eyes to... Be a bit of a conflict of interest, but anyway, would it be quicker to list the sides that they don't have a stake in, Barry? Or I don't know if they'd pass a fit and proper person test. I don't know how beefed up it has been, but you know, we've seen <laughs> some of the people who've passed, yeah. it doesn't take much yeah. passing. It wasn't
2: it? very beefy to begin with, but uh, <laughs> but, but you know, they just Meat's added free. a stock. They just added a <laughs> stock cube, haven't they? And then uh, you know, I
4: I know Everton fans are desperate to get rid of their current owners, but I I'd be very worried to see these guys circling overhead. Wolves play
2: Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool lost this game 3-0 last season. Van Dijk still banned. Uh, Jurgen Klopp has poo-pooed the idea of taking the Germany job. Um, but more and more people, Robin, are suggesting that Liverpool might be the team to challenge City if anybody can.
3: Yeah, um, I guess it's not out of the question, but I just still, for me, I hark back to the game against Newcastle, which they obviously won Dramatically, but when Van Dyke got sent off and Trent Alexander-Arnold could have done, that first sort of 20, 30 minutes, they looked really vulnerable and there for the taking. And that's just still lingering in my mind a little bit, um, just defensively. Clearly, you know, they've got fantastic options up front and really exciting new midfield that seems to be clicking quite well. I just think they can be got at a little bit. Um, but that's not to say that they they won't be the closest candidates to Manchester City. I just don't think anyone's going to get that close, to be honest. This season. Sorry, could I just just
4: kind of it's another fun fact. <laughs> all right, okay, great. <laughs> well, we all we all know how much Jurgen Klopp loves uh, an away game at Saturday lunchtime. You know, can't get enough of them. No, that's all. Um, but Liverpool played six Saturday lunchtime games last season. Didn't win any of them. Drew with Fulham, Everton, Chelsea lost against Forest, Bournemouth and Man City and the three defeats were all away from home so, you know, that's a, that's a bit of a tick in the Wolves box
2: Yeah, these fun facts are really good Barry, Enjoying them Good um, We aim to please. We do, yeah and I'm pleased. Uh, Man City go to West Ham, top of the table clash Jordan, uh, Guardiola back in training, I mean I presume that means he's putting on a club hoodie and occasionally sinking to his knees or haranguing a training cone who's dressed as the fourth official or something, but he will be back in the dugout. Can West Ham get something? Like, they have played really well in this kind of low block, which presumably they'll do against City. And if they can do it against City, then the sky is the limit, possibly. Uh,
0: no, I, I don't I don't think um, they can get anything from from City. Not because I don't particularly rate them, but because I just think City... Um, I, I just I just think are, are in a different realm to everybody else right now so I don't think West Ham will get anything from them but I think West Ham are set up to have a good season I think they've got a good team I think they spent the rice money really well they've really um, improved that midfield for me anyway um uh, Bowen seems to be back on you know back on form after having a massive dip last season although we ended the season with quite an important goal as well so i think west ham will have a good season but i don't think they'll have a good game
4: i'm not so sure because they could well lose but play, but lose playing well i i expect them to play much the same here as they did against brighton and that's surrender most of the possession hope to strike them on the break and That worked for them against Brighton. They won 3-1. Now, they got a bit lucky because Brighton missed quite a few good chances. Uh, Evan Ferguson, in particular, I think missed three. Alphonse Ariola had his number in that game and made some great saves. So, I think West Ham will more or less employ identical tactics here. Probably won't get away with it against City, but they could still lose and play well.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're probably going to play really well and then end up losing, <laughs> which is going to be really frustrating because that's just what happens against Manchester City. It's been a great start for them. It was a really good interview. Jared Bowen uh, was on Five Live a couple of weeks ago and he just said they're still so buzzing from the European Cup win that they've kind of bounced into this season. So, um, yeah, it's it's great for them. And Edson Alvarez, I agree, um, he's... They've spent the rice money really well, Alvarez, and also they've managed to keep hold of Paquitar, although I'm not sure if he's going to be allowed to play for much longer. I guess it depends on how quick they are with these with this allegations of betting against him.
2: Spurs play Sheffield United. They've started the season brilliantly, of course, with greatest human on earth, Ange Postacoglu in charge. Expecting a win at home to Sheffield United, but it is still Spurs. I mean, the most interesting story is about Richarlison. Away with Brazil, he missed a sitter. He was taken off, um, sitting on the bench in tears. Uh, He said the reaction was to getting the things that were happening off the pitch out of my system. I went through a turbulent time during these past five months. He told the Brazilian newspaper, O Globo, uh, now things are a bit more stable at home. People who only had their eye on my money are no longer close to me. Things are going to flow now. I'm certain I'll have a good run at Tottenham and make things happen again. I'm going to return to England and seek psychological help from a psychologist to strengthen my mind. That's what it's about, to come back stronger. I suppose it's interesting, Jordan. Maybe lots of players do this and we don't hear about it. It's interesting that he's talked about it publicly. I mean, my fear is that he actually won't get that much game time because he didn't play in the last game and they were very good with Sun down the middle and Manuel Solomon playing. Now Brennan Johnson's in as well. I, I, I think it's going to be hard for him to get on the pitch
0: it might be and i think first of all you're right i think it's it's good that he has flagged this problem and and been vulnerable and open to talking about the fact that he's got some issues he's trying to deal with off the field i don't necessarily see him being taken out of the firing line or taken out of the first team as a as a negative i think maybe taking him out for a little while to get his head right and work his way back into the team um could 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 be a positive but i'm i'm really I, I, maybe liking is the is the perverse word here but i am liking the openness in which uh, a lot of players are speaking about Difficulties they're having, and I'm liking the kind of compassion I think more of us, especially in the media, are having for players who are struggling. I think there's a balance to be struck. They have a job to do, and you're you're paid to do a job, so you have to you have to do your job. But there's definitely a better understanding I think from fans and from the media that if your, men- if your mentality isn't well your your output in your job is not going to go well either. So I, I think he's a good player. He's, he's clearly a good player having a really, really tough time. He's missing some sitters. But I think him being honest and open and talking about why that may be, um, I, I think is really important for him and also for us to understand that he's not just crap. He's obviously struggling and he's, he's seeking help.
3: It's probably good that Ange is the one in charge at this stage, not Jose or <laughs> Antonio. <laughs> Um, yeah, someone pointed out that he's he's the one to kind of get him if there's any manager who's got that empathy. Um, I'm going to this one. I get to meet him for the first time. I'm a bit nervous, actually, Max. Oh. Wa- I want him to like me.
2: <laughs> yeah, he will. He will. I bet he will. He's a great guy. Nottingham Forest played Burnley. Um, uh, we mentioned a couple of players who've uh, either under you know suspicion or have been charged with betting offences. Harry Toffolo. Um, uh, the Forest Defender has been given a suspended five-month ban by the FA after emitting 375 breaches, suspended until the end of 2425. has been fined almost £21,000. He breached FA rules which ban players from placing bets or passing on information that could be used for betting 375 times between January 2014 and March 2017. He was at Norwich at the time. Um, the FA says the written reasons for the decisions will be published in due course. He was also on loan at Swindon and Rotherham and Peterborough and Scunthorpe.
4: Um, what a nice coach tour for mini breaks. That would be. Um, the written reasons will be published in due course. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading them. And I imagine Ivan Toney is as well.
2: Yeah. Um, Burnley need a point, Robin. And quite soon.
3: They do. And they've, uh, they started the season sort of very expansively and, It'd be really interesting to see if Vincent Company sort of says, "Right, lads, we need to tighten up a little bit more and maybe you know pick our moments to sort of play out because they were really exposed, weren't they against Spurs?" Um, so they've lost all three Premier League games so far, and Forrest have won the last four at home and got a really good win at Chelsea last time. So I mean, obviously, it's not not all is lost for Burnley, but it's going to be a big test for them and, to, and just to see how Vincent Company can adapt as a as a manager.
2: Yeah, and Luton. Uh, The same can be said for them, Barry. They need a point. They go to Fulham. That's a nice place to go. But also, Fulham are better than I think a lot of us thought they would be.
4: Yeah, I wasn't sure how they'd fare this season, to be honest. Luton have lost against three good teams, Brighton, Chelsea, West Ham. They've conceded nine goals, I think, scored two. Uh, It's a bit early to judge them, but things are looking quite bleak. Fulham have brought in Alex Awobi and Timothy Castagne. Uh, I think Awobi might be injured, so we may not see him. And it's also uh, Joao Palina's first game, isn't it, since his move to Bayern Munich fell through. So will he just get on with it and be as good as we know he can be, or will he be in a massive funk? I don't know.
2: I'd like it if he just walked around like an under sevens player. You know, who hadn't got the ball for a bit, head bowed, you know, sleeves over his hands, just walking around, not really bothered with the game at all. Uh, finally Villa Palace. Um Who to go to on this? Go on then, Jordan. They've been, look, (laughs) Villa have beaten two bad teams comfortably and lost heavily to two good teams. So I guess they could be, they could be the kind of control experiment from the Premier League. If they beat you, you're bad. If you beat them, you're good.
0: (laughs) I guess so. I mean, yeah, Villa, Villa, um, where a lot of people's tip to, to surprise the league and do really well. They won the transfer window, that horrible, disgusting phrase that everyone bans around in the summertime. Um, for a little bit, care, I'm actually more interested in Crystal Palace. I think Crystal Palace are the team that I'm, I'm really intrigued by it because Hodgson seems to have um, changed <laughs> um, and I didn't think I'd ever ever say that and I'm actually enjoying watching Crystal Palace play now so this is a good test for them it
2: shows it's never too late to change right you know we all You're think never you know too well to change. I'm 44 I'm going to stay the same vanilla banal but sort of quite friendly guy you know I am not upset anyone I could really you know, in 20 years <laughs> on GB news <TV> <laughs> exactly on 30 years I could be I could be saying it's fast happening Terror Man <laughs> stay with me I could be that guy this is so exciting but I agree with you Jordan Like, Palace are really yeah they're entertaining they're fun to watch they've got a real vibe about
0: them and this comes from somebody that actually didn't think Bringing him back was a good idea. I thought it was a horrible idea. I thought it was lazy. I don't think anybody. Did. Yeah. <laughs> so to see what they're doing now, um, and this is a good test for them because Villa are a good team. So seeing if he reverts to to Roy Hodgson or continues to persist with this front foot two strikers, they're playing two strikers. I'm I'm really really fascinated by Palace this season.
2: All right, that'll do for part two. Part three, we'll do any other business.
0: Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course. dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or
3: your travel advisor.
2: Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Bobbin said it would be nice if you spend a minute on the plight of Reading. And the dire ownership by uh, Dai Yong. Uh, they've been docked three points after the owners failed to deposit 125% of the forecast wage bill on Tuesday. The owner was told by the EFL in August to put that in to a designated account. Uh, he failed to meet the deadline, which triggered the suspended points deduction with immediate effect. Reading said in a statement, Mr. Dye is currently undertaking an ongoing process of seeking sources of stable external investment for the football club with the aim of mitigating the risk of cash flow complications arising in future. I think I understood that. Uh, the EFL continues to acknowledge the negative impact sporting sanctions are having on the club. Uh, that's from the EFL. Uh, we're extremely, we remain extremely disappointed and frustrated that the club's ownership to meet its ongoing obligations under EFL regulations. The league will continue to apply its rules in all circumstances deemed appropriate. Um, I'd urge people to seek out the supporters group, uh, Sell Before We Die, uh, to follow the story. Um, they've won two uh, and uh, lost four of their six games. They're on two points, having already been docked one point early in the season, so they're in the relegation zone. Ruben Sellers, Southampton's Ruben Sellers. Uh, is their manager? They have got a pretty young squad. I watched them lose at Cambridge on the biggest Monday night football that Sky have done so far this season, and I think they'll be okay in League One. But um, yeah, it's a pretty sad state of affairs for their supporters. Robin, big upset in the Women's Champions League uh, last week. Arsenal knocked out of penalties by Paris FC, not by PSG, but by Paris FC. So I don't, I don't actually know what level Paris FC play at.
3: Well, they they did they did well in. Um in their league because they managed to qualify for this round of the champions league. And they had um, in goal, which ultimately went down to penalties um, just for context. Arsenal went two nil down, got it back to two all. um, And then they went three, two down, got it to three all went to penalties. And it was Chimaka Nadozi who was the, um, the goalkeeper. Uh, She played against England, um, the Nigeria goalkeeper, and she was fantastic. And she is, she is top, top, Um, player and yeah it is really really upsetting because Arsenal had some of their best atmospheres games last season as they reached the semi-finals so well and so there's none of that this season it would have brought in a lot of revenue because they were playing at the Emirates they were getting massive crowds so that is really really disappointing I just think I don't know it it obviously wasn't that far away from from the World Cup I mean a lot of the players would have been in the same boat um and so yeah that's it man united are still they need to qualify as well so they need they they go into a qualifying um tournament uh, to get into the group stages um so hopefully they'll manage to get through so we get a bit more english presence in there but you know obviously Alessia Russo moved from man united to arsenal she won't get any champions league football um man united might do still um another big shot juventus also were knocked out of this um qualifying section as well. So, yeah, it's going to be a different look this season, definitely. Just,
0: Robin, just going back to your point about um, not being in the Champions League, being a hit for Arsenal financially, do you think that will impact their bid for uh, Mary Earps? I know they were were going hard for her. I know that with no Champions League football, but also financially, will they now have to retract that bid? (laughs)
3: That's a good question. I'm not sure. I don't think financially perhaps that would have made a huge impact. I think it was more okay. the kind of the building of the momentum in terms of the crowds sure. and the, and the interests around it. it so it's the, it's the deadline day today. Um, and obviously Arsenal last season tried to get Alessia Russo on deadline day. So, um, But it sounds like just from um, what journalists close to women's football are reporting that Mary Upps will be a Manchester United player at least till January but she's another one whose contract runs out at the end of the season so difficult one for them because they let Russo go for nothing um, so like sort of politically is that a good look again Do they? but then do you sell because you get the money but you know she's obviously an absolute superstar so really difficult one for Man United
4: Did um, it cross my mind during the World Cup that and it's probably a moot point or a stupid point on my part because most of his players were presumably at the World Cup, but Jonas Eidivall was there the whole time. Mm. Did he get any grief
3: for that? Not that I know of.
4: Um, but because no- it, it just crossed yeah. my mind that God, he, he seems to be spending a lot of time in Australia, <laughs> should he not be at home doing some. I work? think he
3: was he was uh, he was zooming in a bit like Jurgen Klinsman <laughs> with his uh, his South Korea gig. Um, no, I think um, he has. A, they have a big staff, so I think he was leaving a lot of it to them. But yeah, I think most of his um, most of his players were were at the World Cup. He gave me a fantastic piece of advice, by the way, on on how to order a meal. All right, he said to o- always order whatever the the biggest guy, the fattest guy, is ordering because they always have they always order the good stuff. Oh, really? So if you fancy something kind of good, he said, you wait for them. What, say, at the, ta- what at the table or not in, in the whole restaurant? <laughs> <And> it, <laughs> just just at the table. He said there was someone he works with who he always orders whatever he does because right. um, it's always good. Um, I'm not sure about the whole restaurant. That would take quite a lot of... Um, that's a that's yeah. a Barry-style sort of um, fact-finding yeah. mission, I think, to do that. But I thought that was quite good. The best piece of
2: advice I've recently taken was from an Instagram post by Johnny Vaughan about how to put a bin bag into your bin by by um you put your hand down the bin bag and sort of sort of push it all out and then you take so your hand is holding the bottom take then the bottom of the bin bag from your hand that's not down the bin bag and then like pull it straight down right pull if I explained this very well you 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 open the bin bag put your hand down it so then you can grab the end, but the bin bag is open. Then take your hand out. So one hand is holding the top of the bin bag and the other is outside. And then you sort of pull it down like a... Uh, <laughs> what would you pull it down like? I don't really know. Uh, but straight down the bin bag. And it makes it sort of pointy like a sword. And then it's like really strong and erect. And you can just put it in the
0: bin like that. Sorry, can I just go back to Robin's advice? Because I'm just thinking about that. Surely the biggest guy at the table is the biggest guy because... and I trying to not be offensive here, but not because he eats the best food, but because he eats the most food. Isn't that, is, is that the reason he's <laughs> the biggest guy on the table?
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I think you've, you, yeah, you found a, a hole in the theory there, which I should yeah. have brought up. The most unhealthy food, maybe, yeah.
2: Connor says, after the Cambridge admin's accidental safari Instagram post, what are other football clubs likely to post? I can see my admin of my beloved Reading posting a picture of the tinned food aisle in Sainsbury. Yes, Cambridge United's Instagram posted just a nice picture of a couple of rhinos and then it was swiftly deleted. Although they have since, I think, sort of pasted a rhino into a crowd (laughs) show in the Abbey. Um, I think they should have kept it up personally. Chris says, on the subject of online reviews, I'm not sure where we got to on that. I work on them for a multinational. I had to do some research which involved Amazon reviews for Morrison's grocery orders. The reviews for half a cucumber are superb, so I went to look at the reviews for Half a Cucumber. Rachel reviewed Half a Cucumber, saying, I unfortunately ordered this without reading the reviews, not considering that I would ever get only Half a Cucumber. Uh, as the other reviews mentioned, this is an individually wrapped Half Cucumber, which is misleading and also incredibly environmentally unconscious, as the Half Cucumber is wrapped in plastic and then sealed in a plastic bag. I'd presume it is pretty... Uh, I would say whatever the opposite of misleading is. If it says half a cucumber, it (laughs) says half a cucumber. But thank you very much, uh, Chris. Uh, Thank you to Steve for summing up the last five minutes of yesterday's pod by sending me a photo of Aerosmith with love in an elevator and the word mimes put just after love. Uh, um, So, yes, love mimes in an elevator. We may release that soon. And this is anonymous. It's a sort of hotel breakfast whistleblower. Good morning. As a former hotel employee, do not ever eat hotel scramble eggs. The ones I used to make were made from deep frozen liquid with a few years expiry date. These would go into the microwave. You'd put some butter to make them a bit more fat, mix them and that's it. They were absolutely disgusting. And It's quite easy to see more hotels make them similar in a similar way. Sausages and bacon are the safest options. Hash browns can be dangerous, but this is a whole different story. You may find time to read my message as you're scrambling, excuse the pun, for content during this international break. Thanks. I would like to remain anonymous, even though it's all true. Uh, We will not reveal your name forever. But thank you very much uh, uh, for uh, adding that bit of information, um, that fun fact. Uh, And that'll do for today's podcast. Uh, Thank you, Barry. You're welcome. Uh, Thank you, Robin. Thanks, Max. Thank you, Jordan. Cheers, mate. Our Football Weekly is produced by Joel Grove. Our executive producer is Max Sanderson. We'll be back on Monday.
0: This is The Guardian.